Hi there, this is Luke, and on today's episode, we're talking about Gattaca, the science fiction genre, and world building. Welcome to Notes from the Silver Screen. You know your own future, which means you can change it if you want to. Everything is a mythical cosmic battle between faith and chance. We have to get to an aid post. I can't! I'll carry you. It isn't very far. Just bring a doctor here. Take it off here, boss. Yeah, take it off, Ragline. No. Simple, maybe, but not easy. There's nothing easy about two men sharing one life. Why are you doing this, Vincent? Have you done any of this? We have to go back. It's too late for that. We're closer to the other side. What other side? You want to join us both? You want to know how I did it? This is how I did it, Anton. I never saved anything for the swim back. It was my pick this week, and I chose Gattaca. Um, I feel like this one's a little more esoteric, or I don't know, esoteric is probably not the right word, just not as well known. Yeah, I feel like most of my picks tend to skew to the more obscure, but I I really love Gattaca. I think it's a really well done film, and I like the the thematic material. So hopefully we'll we'll get a chance to talk about some of what's going on with the film. And I'm not a huge sci-fi guy, but this is a I feel like this is a really well done sci-fi this is the way sci-fi should be done like not super extreme and 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 crazy like valerian and the the planet of the or the the city of a thousand planets or whatever but i mean i guess it all comes down to the the story that's being told which at its heart gattaca is a good one because really it is about the genetics isn't it and if you like look at it i think like um a lot of the set and the setting where it takes place is like the architecture seems like modern and that it's like just simple lines, right? And kind of single colors, not very colorful, kind of dramatic looking. And um, like the technology they use, which is at little terminals and stuff without like, it doesn't look like a big future world really. Except in some ways, like how they have the uh, like electric cars and stuff. But I think that, I guess to the benefit as far as because I think I don't know it kind of gives it more of a timeless quality right like if you try to make it look all futuristic then when people watch it 20 years from now they're like what look ridiculous but if you just go from the kind of simple conceptual kind of approach then I think it might hold up a little better I guess time will tell well I mean it's already coming on over 20 25 years old and I think it holds up very well um, a couple of weeks ago, we were watching, uh, what's the Tom Cruise, uh, was Minority Spielberg Report film. Yeah. Minority Report. And I mean, it, it's not the best film, but I mean, it, it stands up pretty well. I, I don't love like the jetpack sequences and stuff, but I, I really like in Gattaca that it's like a old school future, like not noir, but like you know, like 
they have old cars, but they're electric and everybody's wearing suits all the time. Yeah. And like, prolific smoking. And the feds, some of them have fedoras. Yeah. It, it's and like all this giant cement architecture and stuff. It's it's like a a 50s version of the future. And it's really cool. I think that's why it ages so well is because they instead of doing like, oh, we'll get a futurologist on here and he'll tell us what the future is going to be like. They went with a stylized approach and really a very minimalistic approach because they have the cars and they just, you know, replace an engine sound with an, a mechanical whirring and show them being charged. And all of a sudden everybody has electric cars and, you know, just a couple like palm computers and, and phone watches. And that's really like all the, all the tech you see. Mm-hmm. But you got to fake that somehow. How do, how do you fake that? When he's running on the treadmill, but he's he's got a bad heart. So like they recorded it before. How'd that work out? I They just, he rigged a transmitter to, instead of uh, listening to his heart and transmitting the signal to the control panel, he transmitted the recorded heart from Jerome. Yeah. Before we get into that, there was one scene that was weird to me. Like, um, I don't really remember the context of what happened before or after, but Uma Thurman is like sleeping in the car, and uh, Ethan Hawke's character, he's just, uh, he's just like sat there next to the car. What, why is she sleeping in the car, and how did he get there? <laughs> that was so weird to me. Like, yeah, just like out of nowhere. That, that's a, there's like no context for scene, it, but. That that way they could call back to the oh the wind caught it <laughs> oh yeah I mean I never I I don't think I noticed it the first time I watched the movie but like rewatching it for this stood out to me a little bit like that's kind of weird the story is about this future where everybody's genetically engineered to be the best version of themselves but there are people who were not genetically engineered and so they become the new like underclass in society so that's kind of the underpinnings of it and then the the story is about a faith birth who longs to uh, go to the stars he wants to be an astronaut but he can't get in because he has bad genes and so he finds a man with good genes who's a cripple and he uses his blood and urine and and body to pass for him in in the the upper echelons of society using his his genome to get entering to the space uh, the space organization so that he can fulfill his, fulfill his dream of being an astronaut um one thing i thought was interesting rereading the script was the uh well i had to find an old version of the script it's a, one of the, it's a little harder to find than most but so it's a uh, it's a fairly older version than the film, and it was a little more on the nose with the the metaphor of uh, natural birth people being like the the cultural or societal underclass. Um, like at the beginning, it opens with a couple of quotes, and in the the film, um, both quotes are about mother nature wanting us to mess with like genetics and stuff but in the screenplay one of the quotes is about it's from some judge and it's about societal like oppression 
And then at the end of the screenplay, as Vincent goes off into space, he like we see him traveling through the stars and then in the starry landscape, there appears pictures of famous people who had some kind of, of disability, like famous scientists and, and thinkers in the screenplay. And then so as as the the movie ends, he's flying through space and you see all these famous people pop up their image and their name. But instead of listing their accomplishment accomplishments in life, it lists like some disability they're born with. So I don't know, like Helen Keller and it says she's blind and deaf. And then it has like some mathematician and he's blonde or whatever. And so I feel like that's a little on the nose and I really prefer the, the changes they made. So it, the, the story itself is more focused on the actual genetics and, and him overcoming them and, and just world building. And then innately, it does carry that that subtext of, you know, a kind of a, a moral or a, or a fable and that it has this moral underpinning to the story that it puts us in the shoes of taking us out of like how we understand society and like divisions of race or religion or whatever. And it gives us this more esoteric view of, oh, it's either you were born based off genetic manipulation or born naturally. And so it kind of makes it easier to to view objectively this this societal segregation. Yeah. Well, I even in the movie, like it, it's not like the most subtle of movies. Like it isn't, it's but really clear. Like the narration and like from the very beginning, you kind you you know that he's like the underdog, the protagonist. You know, because it's kind of a lot of narration. But I do feel like the the narration is handled handled well. Uh, a lot of times, voiceover gets a bad rap, but. I think this pulls it off first because you have to find a way to get through all this exposition. I mean, because it's a whole alternate world and we have to understand the different, the division of classes based off how they were born and everything, which I mean, not all of it is done purely through voiceover. I mean, we show a lot of it like when Uma Thurman goes to check his hair and the lady's there and checking for the guy that she just kissed to see what his his genome is like and all of that. I kind of forgot where I was going with that. But the voiceover, I, I like a lot of like how it's written because it's kind of verges on like the poetic and he just has like just the way he says things makes it so it isn't just like this boring schlock of, oh, I have to explain the world that we're in so that you can understand the story. You know, he, he just talks about how he, he dreams to be among the stars and when he gets his surgery to elongate his legs, he he took his mind off the pain by remembering that when he finally stood up again, he'd be two inches closer to the stars. I just really like that. I, I think the the narration was well handled because it just sounded nice as he talked. I think, yeah, I think it's like a also like a very maybe thematic or dramatic movie. Atmospheric is the word I think I'm looking for. A lot of it, like the speakeasy kind of vibe there when they went to the club to celebrate Jerome and, uh, well, they were both kind of named Jerome, but <laughs> Eugene and Jerome. We'll call him. And uh, then also, I think when he was raising his brother, like at night, in the, and he, well, even before, like just the, the is it a lake, an ocean they were always swimming in? Yeah, as children. Because like, uh, it's not like a pristine lake, right? It's got all that darkness to it, the turbidity and, and the stuff growing up in it. I thought that was, I, I don't know. I think it's like a nice movie, but as we take in, I guess with a grain of salt, it's not quite the right way to put it, but 
there's some stuff that stands out to me is maybe a little awkward or corny, but like it's just part of the movie. Like that scene, you just found your brother after like it seems like you know they were kind of estranged just because he like left home mm-hmm. and sneaking into the into Gattaca, and so you find him after x amount of time so you go swimming together to prove that what (laughs) why are you going swimming you know it fits with the story in that like it shows the will to conquer i guess the triumph of of spirit over the physical but as far as like rationally considered that yeah (laughs) you're gonna go swimming i i guess I, i never really thought about it like that but it is it isn't exactly too worried about staying grounded more i feel like it um nichols is more focused on on just his message and so i I feel like it is is kind of viewed as like a a fable or or an allegory for yeah how how we view other people that's more consistent i think yeah with how it comes across because it's not the most realistic movie as far as like motivations and some of their, their actions but it's not supposed to be one thing that I found find interesting about the screenplay versus the film is in the film you have them hunting for this murder right so you have his brother Anton who's like this high up inspector or something and then you have like the detective who's under him but, but who is really focused on on finding Vincent right and so you have like they're they're getting closer and closer and it's building this tension as we progress through the story but there's also some conflict between them since in the film, Anton keeps like steering them back. Oh, we should go look at other people in Gattaca. Oh, we should go just do a sweep through the street instead of looking for this invalid that we found an eyelash at from in, in the hallway. Um, and then the other is just doggedly pursuing Vincent. And I'm, I feel like his relationship with between Anton and Vincent isn't super well defined in the film. Like what's, what's Anton's motivation? I feel like kind of at the end after I was thinking about it, cause he shows up and they meet by his station, right? In Gattaca. And he's like, you've gone as far as you can go. Um, just, we need to get you out of here. So I feel like he's kind of trying to defend him or protect him because he feels like Vincent can't succeed right vincent's going to fail and so he he's trying to to protect him is that how you viewed their relationship yeah i think that's accurate and well now that you're mentioning i think it fits too like you said because it seems like he has different motive or um a different approach we'll say to the investigation as opposed to the other detective working there i haven't thought that before but yeah it seems to fit so the the thing that really stood out most from the screenplay is in the screenplay, the role of Anton and the minor detective are switched. So the the minor detective, oh man, do you know that? Alan Arkin. Yeah, Alan Arkin is the one who is like who keeps suggesting that they investigate other other suspects, that they examine um, different motivations and everything. And Anton is the one doggedly pursuing Vincent. And he comes across as like much more spiteful and and angry towards Vincent. Like he still holds this grudge that Vincent beat him when they were swimming and that he he doesn't deserve to be there because he is an invalid. And I kind of like that character motivation better. I feel like Anton has like a much, much stronger 
narrative in in the screenplay because he's driven by this hate and then he shows up and they they go out and he he's trying to prove himself right he has this like ghost in his past that and it kind of mirrors jerome's story as well because jerome does have this um i don't know kind of like anger because he had he was born with so much potential and everybody told him he would be great and he failed to achieve it and so i kind of i kind of like the character motivation of anton being angry at vincent and like trying to hunt him down because he feels like he doesn't deserve to be in gattaca rather than trying to protect him especially since the protecting him comes off as a little weird since i mean they weren't on the best of terms growing up and then they haven't seen each other for 20 years but i mean i guess blood is thicker than water right i think yeah it might have helped the way the movie is currently constituted i just feel like he plays like a kind of more of a minor character so uh yeah i think it could be better but i don't know that the movie is holistically impacted in a negative way just because he is more of a marginal character i think one of the reasons i like i like the film so much is just it's it's uplifting to see vincent slash jerome just overcome so much i mean i think in the voiceover he says as he's growing up that he came to see himself as others did because you know every time he he fell down or or anything went wrong people would rush to him like he was a, a glass doll right he couldn't handle anything and so it kind of changes his perception of himself but despite that and all the the limits placed on him by society and everybody thinking that not good enough he overcomes that through just sheer force of will and it made me it makes me think of uh nolan's the prestige really that's yeah. kind of surprising how so I like stories about people being totally dedicated to a singular goal. And then the film is just a, a film of the sacrifices they make to accomplish their, their soul desire. Cause they're each living half a life in the prestige. Yeah. At, at the end where it's uncovered that the, the bell brothers, they, they basically gave up their whole life in pursuit of this one perfect trick. Right. And in this, it's just Vincent and he's he's willing to do whatever it takes to make it to space to achieve his goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It doesn't really fit anywhere, but I just got to throw it out there. I really like that one um, doctor guy. Lamar? The, or maybe a technician is the word. I don't know what his moniker is, but he's kind of, he was an interesting character. I liked him. He was very personable too. And I think he did help like the you know the story too like i said it's not the most subtle of stories but because he has a little boy that is also uh not everything that was promised he says i think were his words something like that yeah he's a big fan of um jerome we call him well i don't know what to call him because he like it's not his like real name right yeah the name in the film though that's a really great scene at the end where you find out that he knew all along really that that's something interesting too because you have him and you have uma thurman and like even in the the speakeasy or the restaurant they go to um like everybody cleans up the dishes to like protect them so i mean he's not doing it alone right there are all these people who who know that he's not on the up and up but still 
are helping him achieve his goal, which I guess is is interesting. Kind of, even though he has this this immense drive and and this solid, he's in this um, single-minded pursuit for his goal. He can't do it alone, right? He still relies on help from from others to get there. So, like when he walked on the spaceship at the end, like he just had a suit on, and like, <laughs> and he has like just his like contact lenses in like is he gonna be okay up there or like is he just concerned with getting in space and then play it by ear what's the plan there yeah i don't know i i he should have brought his glasses because he's why i don't know yeah that's a good good question okay like you should bring some contact solution or something into space and he's just gonna be gone for a year just one one loop around the sun right and yeah, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Just to think about what can happen afterwards. Like, is he happy now? Is it like, what's... Because it's like, he's supposed to be dead like now, I think, right? Like at the end. Yeah. Like, well, when the movie's taking place, he's kind of like over... Yeah, they say his heart's already overdue. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess he's like, all right, y'all can lock me up or something. It just seems like it would be harder to keep keep up the ruse in space. Kind of tight quarters. Yeah, but I mean, in space, all he has to worry about is seeing, because there's they're not doing any testing in space. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think about that. That he's going to be wearing the one pair of contacts for a year. So. <laughs> okay, so I guess going back to kind of this idea of sci-fi as a genre, how to handle world building, is so from from a screenplay level. There's a lot of detail put into kind of describing the world. Like the the one room where they're all programming on their computers in the screenplay, it's described as like this antiseptic room with like these spiraling chairs coming out from a command center. And uh, then one of the, the first scenes in the screenplay that doesn't make it into the film is after we introduce Vincent, there's a cut to Anton swimming in, in his treadmill pool and then you know you have the the car coming up the drive and but it has just an electric whir of motors so it's kind of just you're you're introduced to these little details that you know there's there's technology in the world that doesn't exist in ours and like i said earlier i i prefer like that version of sci-fi versus like the super extreme like change everything i i think of children of men as like really good because it's just a couple of details like when they're driving there's like a heads-up display on the windshield or the guy sitting at the dinner table playing with that little finger cube game in children of men where i mean it doesn't really impact the story but it's kind of just like subtle clues where it doesn't really hit you over the head with it i mean probably black mirror to an extent probably does that too in a lot of the in some of the shows where it's just it's like an extrapolation from the present, but it's not like overblown or anything. So I think I've only seen an episode or two of Black Mirror, but isn't it generally like it, it's pretty much our world, but they take like one aspect of it and they like advance this one thing. Yeah. So like I think I, I think I might have saw the dating one where it's like a, a dating app, but it's like a, a simulation. And so, I mean, it's our world. It's just like a super advanced like AI simulation for a dating app. And that's like the one thing that's changed, right? Yeah, Is that fair? Yeah, like social media. Yeah, I think it was something like that. And a lot of this stuff was the same. 
or I think one of them has that ginger kid from that movie where he goes back in time. Donald Gleason. And uh and he uh he's like brought back to life somehow with like a androidish thing because he had died. So it was like his widow like signed up for the service or whatever. So it's like everything else was normal except for obviously that, like right? That's <laughs> sci fi, but yeah. Anything that's a good approach. I like it. Yeah, I don't know. I guess sometimes I feel like in sci-fi, they're a little more ambitious. It's easier to get lost in in the world building and and explaining or showing off all this technology. Like and the a, story can take a backseat to it. Like Blade Runner. I haven't seen it, but that one seems super spacey. Yeah, it's a lot more heady of a sci-fi. I mean, I'm trying to think of a a bad example. I don't watch a lot of sci-fi, so Blade Runner. I mean, it is it is really heady, but the the story is still based around like a particular thing. Like replicants are robots that like are perfectly able to mimic humans, essentially, and so they're used as like slaves. But some of them escape, and so uh, Blade Runner is a person who hunts down replicants that are trying to pass themselves off as humans in society. Oh, like Dave's Ex Machina. I guess you just called Ex Machina. Just because it's the one I can think of, the the example I could use to contrast it would be, you just said it, what's the Spielberg film with Tom Cruise? Minority Report. Minority <laughs> Report. So in Minority Report, I mean, the the good is that they have these precogs that can perceive crime before it happens, right? And so like that's this one change to society that kind of drives the story. But then you have, like, the police have jetpacks and stuff, and so you have that really drawn-out sequence that I don't think is super well choreographed or plays great, where they're hunting him with their six sticks and their their jetpacks and their doofy helmets and everything. And then you have the whole sequence where he's getting his eyeballs changed, which, I mean, it's sort of purpose in the story as a way of, like, allowing him to avoid detection in the world. But it's like a four or five minute sequence and like it doesn't do much. He he gets his eyes carved out by a guy he arrested previously. And then you have a weird gross out scene where he eats a rotten sandwich and drinks spoiled milk. And then it kind of goes back to the main action of the story. So I feel like that that's an easy pitfall in sci-fi is you're you're exploring this future world. And so you come up with all these fun ideas of, oh, what if this was possible? But if it doesn't serve the story, it doesn't really deserve to be there in my mind. I think some of it too is kind of the story kind of dictates it too in a way. It's kind of like Uncanny Valley, right? Like the closer you get to, I guess, reality, then the differences are more pronounced. Like, you know, we were talking about Minority Report. That's kind of, or even Gattaca. That's like a near future event. So a lot of it is our world. But if you have something like, I don't know, like Star Trek or um, like Riddick, which is it's a guilty pleasure, probably. It's yeah. not like the best, but like it's like so different. It's like a completely different world. It's like elves and goblins more than, you know, everyday life. So, and I, like I mentioned at the first, right, like it comes back to story. It, for in the case of Gattaca, it's more of a philosophical, or like you said, a moral or a fable, more than 
a different story that's just set in in space right mm -hmm. so i think it can come down to like how different is it from our world and if it's very different it just kind of you know blows past that threshold of maybe going off kind of awkward and which one you choose is dictated by the story you want to tell yeah i take broad strokes i can see that it's kind of like if you're you're going to do a realistic sci-fi you have to be careful with like how far you push it so you either have to kind of toe that line of being grounded and, and real while still having the the sci-fi elements which i feel like a lot of good ones they just choose one thing to focus on and it is like intricately intertwined with the story and on the other side you just go into a more fantasy realm and you have like a space opera like star wars or or you create a whole new world like blade runner where there it isn't really based on our world anymore whereas minority report and gattaca they're in our world with sci-fi elements where movies like sunshine or could you count star wars as sci-fi or is it completely different space opera genre go ahead and count it i'll allow it so those those films so i'll go with riddick instead so like sunshine or, or riddick it's so far out of our world that it no longer is really part of it i don't know because it isn't so much that i feel like it comes across as awkward doing like cool sci-fi inventions and showing them off i just feel like you have to have a reason behind everything you do and i feel like it can be a dangerous slope in sci-fi films where you're spending so much time inventing this world and bringing it to the screen that you get in a kill your darling situation where you don't or you have like this really cool idea and you want to show it off even if it doesn't really advance the the plot all right well then that was gattaca i recommend it it's a movie i really like um, i think mostly because it just ticks my personal boxes i like this idea of a person overcoming these vast odds just by grit and determination and i also think it's it's an interesting story as it examines the the morality of uh, viewing people as others and having a secondary um, status in society. So I would recommend it, and I think it's a pretty gorgeous film too. I like the the setting with this retro futuristic film with these giant cement buildings, and I think it's it's well shot as well. Because I don't think it really adds anything but as far as like the idea goes i say let's go for it man i know like it's kind of coming down on the side it kind of comes down against it it seems if anything against the idea of using that technology maybe that's not the intent and the intent is just to ask the question rather than come to a conclusion but at the heart of it it seems if anything it's going against it just because like he's been disadvantaged by mm -hmm. it and he's the protagonist and he can't go to space because of it can't follow his dreams but i think holistically that would be awesome let's make people the best we can that'd be dope yeah. and sign me up i have like terrible eyes if i didn't have terrible eyes do what you gotta do man yeah because in in the world of gattaca it's interesting because i mean the first thing one of the first things they fixed is is eyesight with myopia like that was the first thing they cured altering genes and then they move on to like heart disease and then alcoholism and just like anger and everything. 
Um, but that is interesting because after Gattaca came out, there were a couple of like geneticists that like had public um, comments condemning the film because it, it does have a very negative stance against what could be really beneficial science and, and technology going forward. So, I mean, I, I guess it is kind of a moral question of, of, you know, how much should we tamper with nature? So that's for, for people smarter than I. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Notes from the Silver Screen. If you enjoyed this one, please share it with a friend. And we're going to continue coming out with new episodes, but I am going to be out of Utah for at least part of this summer. So they might not be every other week, but we'll keep you updated. And our next episode will be on Taika Waititi's Boy.